Welcome everyone to our first podcast episode of 2024 here at Three Wide. I'm your host, Radney Crawford, and today we're going to be going over Daytona weekend, all the action from the Craftsman Truck Series, as well as the Xfinity and Cup Series. We'll discuss everything that went on from Daytona International Super Speedway, so let's dive right into it. Hunter Harvest is back to support another season of Three Wide, and to tell you a little about them, they are a brand created to protect the hunt and to get back to the basics and the real reason for the hunt a brand that supports the harvesting of the animal instead of just focusing on the trophy. To hunt harvest, hunting is all about spending time with loved ones, providing for your family through the harvest, and giving thanks to the one who created all things. And you too can support this great mission and company by going to hunttoharvest.com and updating or upgrading your hunting apparel, where they have several new shirt designs in both short sleeve and long sleeves, and these shirts are also made out of 100% Peruvian cotton and true to size after one wash. They also have new rope hats in, but they are moving fast, so you better get your order in quick. So head on over to huntaharvest.com, and when you check out, be sure to use the promo code RADNEY18923. That's R-A-D-N-E-Y-18923 for even more savings. And before we get into the actual racing action, uh, it was a interesting speed week, or speed week. Uh, the weather definitely was a factor all weekend long. Qualifying for the Cup Series, as well as the dual races on Thursday and the Truck Series race on Friday night, were able to go on as scheduled. They did have to move the ARCA race to Friday night after the Truck Race. Meanwhile, the Xfinity and the Cup Series, they were moved to Monday on President's Day. And it never seemed like the racing was able to really get its feet under it. It seemed like something was off. And honestly, overall, the Cup Series race was the best as far as racing action up until the end. But starting out by looking at the Craftsman Truck Series, you had Nick Sanchez get his first career win. But I feel like the key takeaway from this race wasn't Nick Sanchez getting this first win. It was mainly the the type of racing we saw or lack thereof. This was a race that ran 101 laps, but 52 of them were under caution. So there wasn't a whole lot of action going on on the track as far as Drivers fighting for the win. It was just a, a lot of wrecks. Uh, looking at racing reference, they put down that the average green flag run was just at four laps. So not a whole lot to really write home about for the Craftsman Truck Series. You had a huge wreck there at the beginning around lap seven, which took out drivers like Ty Dillon, Jake Garcia, uh, Lane Riggs, quite a few drivers that were looking to start off this season strong and make an impact in their first race with their new teams. But it just got derailed by hard racing right out the gate for the Craftsman Truck Series. I was surprised to see them racing that hard early on. And after the first wreck, you would think that, okay, we need to tone it down and, and back it off a little bit, but it just never really happened. They never got in their groove. And while you didn't have many more huge crashes, you had quite a few one truck or two or three truck accidents up until we got towards the very end, especially on the last lap where coming out of turn two, you had Rajah Carruth come up the track. I don't know if he was trying to fill a hole or, or what was going on there, but he was coming for second place, trying to make a run for the lead. And it just caused a huge pile up behind him, including Taylor Gray going upside down. And that ended the race. What was positive to see for me, and this caught a lot of attention on social media was after the race, you had Raja Carruth, who just got a career best finish. He was getting some counseling by NASCAR Cup Series driver Bubba Wallace. 
uh, was caught on camera, Sanchez, or not Sanchez, but Caruth and Bubba having a conversation. Caruth reached his hand out as for a handshake, and Bubba pulled him away from the cameras uh, to talk to him, to have more of a, a private conversation. A lot of people thought that was kind of out of place or disrespectful, I guess you could say, of Bubba, but I look at it as the opposite. I think this is really what's missing from the truck series. Here you have a Cup Series veteran, a driver who has won multiple races in the truck series and has worked his way through the ranks, pulling a young driver aside and mentoring him, asking Rajah what was going on out there. Bubba kind of guiding him through it and giving his take on it. And Rajah, he listened. He seemed to take it in. They you know, hugged before they were separated. But like I said, that is a key part, I think, missing to this series. It used to be you know, a series of NASCAR veterans, whether they had spent their life in the truck series or it was cup series veterans that finally had to work their way down after, you know, a few years of struggling in the cup series. You had guys like Mike Skinner, Bobby Hamilton, Johnny Benson, Jack Sprague, uh, Todd Bodine, Ron Hornaday, Ted Musgrave, numerous veteran drivers with just a sprinkling of young drivers trying to just make their mark in the sport to where now it is completely flipped, where it is predominantly young drivers trying to work their way up the sport with just a sprinkling of veterans. And even now, some of the Truck Series veterans aren't much better than the rookies, to be honest with you. Look back to how Matt Crafton handled the deal with Nick Sanchez last year at Talladega, jumping him from behind after the race because he didn't like something that Sanchez did on the track. Whereas, to me, that's more of another mentoring opportunity Matt Crafton could have went and pulled Sanchez to the side and they could have talked it out. The same with Stuart Friesen. He's a veteran of the truck series. He could take on that mentor role. There, there are a ton of drivers that could go out and help make this series get back to the way it was. That's why I was so excited to see Ty Dillon back into the truck series. Ty's had success in the truck series. Didn't have a whole lot in the cup series. Didn't have much of an opportunity there, but now is back with a good solid team where he can go out there and compete and win races. And I feel like is a level-headed NASCAR veteran that can try to right the ship that is the truck series. There's a ton of potential, a ton of talent in this series, but they, they got to have some better guidance. And hopefully with drivers like Ty Dillon, like even Grant Infinger, and as I said, Stuart Friesen, maybe Matt Crafton, that there's a lot of drivers there that can help this series instead of hurting it. And I'm going to go in the order which the races were run, which is a little bit backwards because originally the Xfinity race was supposed to run uh, Monday morning before the Daytona 500. However, they still had some rain Monday morning and dealing with drying the track. So they moved the Xfinity race to after the Daytona 500. So just looking at the Cup Series race, this was, I, I, as I said briefly earlier, was the best race in all of Daytona weekend. You did have a a crash early in the race, about six laps in, that took out drivers like Harrison Burton, Austin Dillon, Kaz Grala, uh, pretty much took out Jimmy Johnson, uh, Josefar of the race. Priest and John Hunter Nemechek got some damage, but were able to continue on and stay pretty competitive. Outside of that, this was a very calm race, a lot of two-by-two two and three-wide racing. And, you know, everyone kind of minding their P's and Q's and, it didn't start getting hairy till right there at the end, which is you see most of the time at these super speedways. Uh, but there was a moment there where I was even thinking to myself, are we going to go all the way to the checkered flag without seeing a huge wreck? And they got pretty close. They made it till about nine, less than nine laps to go. 
when you had the big one strike, you had numerous drivers taken out of this one, like Larson, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, as well as Joey Logano. A lot of big names were taken out in this wreck. Daniel Suarez is another one. And up to this point, or around this time of the race, Ross Chastain had taken command of this race and to me looked like the guy to beat. He was making a lot of aggressive moves, but making them work. A lot of big blocks, but still able to keep the car going forward. But then you had this late restart with just a few laps to go. William Byron and Alex Bowman were able to work together and get ahead of Ross Chastain. Then coming to the white flag, and this is where the race kind of went off the rails, which was a shame because, as I said, this was a, a good Daytona 500. You had Ross Chastain and Austin Sendrick make contact coming to the white flag. They both go spinning. Austin Sendrick starts working his way back up the track while spinning. NASCAR has no choice but to throw the caution. But at the moment that the caution was thrown, you had Alex Bowman making a move to the outside of William Byron. And through the the TV replays, it seemed like Alex Bowman was ahead of William Byron when the caution lights came on. Then NASCAR comes out and rules, no, William Byron is the winner. And led to a lot of confusion, a a lot of conspiracy theories by some fans online, but just general confusion, including myself, because when they showed the replay, it looked like Alex Bowman was ahead of William Byron at the moment of caution when the yellow lights come on. And there was, you know, many people not really understanding the rules of, okay, when is the field frozen? When is the true moment of caution? Is it when that yellow light is on? Or is it when the light is in transition from green to yellow? At what point was the field frozen? And it's where I feel like NASCAR dropped the ball a little bit. And as well as the TV broadcast, because the the TV broadcast never really showed, in, in my opinion, or explained, here is why William Byron is declared the winner. Here's what the rule book says. And you would I would have thought that you'd have a NASCAR official come up some point before the end of the broadcast with the overhead shot that says, here is the moment of caution. It is timestamped. You know, you can see this part right here. And this is why we ruled William Byron a winner. Instead, the TV broadcast signs off with without much explanation and led to a lot of speculation. Now, NASCAR did come out. It was about an hour later after the event with, with a picture. Here is when the caution came out. It's time stamped. William Byron is clearly ahead of Alex Bowman. That's why we declared him the winner. And looking at the picture, it is clear. William Byron is ahead of Bowman. There's no controversy. There's no debate there. But I just feel like it was not properly explained before the broadcast was signed off, which is a shame because we've seen the ratings up already a little bit during these exhibition races. And you can trace it back to the new NASCAR Netflix series that goes over this past season. It's built up this new interest. And I hate that the biggest race weekend where you could see the biggest jump, new fans in the sport and NASCAR was hampered by weather, things out of their control. And then this kind of finish where, It wasn't properly explained why the ruling was what it was. But now going back to the Fox broadcast part of it, uh, there were some good things and some bad things. Starting out with the bad, what was my biggest thumb down on their showing of the Daytona 500 was commercials. Look, it's the Daytona 500. It is this sports Super Bowl. So that's where you're going to see the most advertisements sold. You're going to see more commercials. 
but it felt like it was a little bit of overkill this year. And my best example of that is you had a Wendy's short video advertisement, whatever you want to call it, with around 40 laps to go where they went split screen. You had the race on the small cr screen up in the corner and this Wendy's short ad going on in the, the bigger part of the screen. And after that was done, it was followed up with an ad of an upcoming basketball game. Then they come back and it's a full screen race. We're back in the action. And it seems like 10 seconds after they come back, they said, we're just going to go ahead and go to a full commercial break. So you had three commercial breaks essentially in the span of 10 laps. And to me that at that point in the race, that's, that's overkill. That's not needed. If you wanted to do things like that, that's where it needs to be put more either at the beginning of the race or the middle stages, not when it's coming down to the wire and you have these, you know, final pit stops coming up. You got some good battles going on on the track. There's got to be a way you can kind of tone down how many times you're going to break. I, I'm not sure what the fix is. I'm not in advertising. I'm not in that area of the sport, but just from the outside looking in just seemed like a little bit, a little bit of overkill. And one thing that NASCAR on Fox did do differently was they had Joe McHale come out in a spot before the race started to give the top 20 starters of the race. There was no silly cartoons at this point. It was simply introducing the drivers, having them on the screen in their fire suits, no helmets on so they can get some recognition. Stuff like that can go a long way. Fans are not big on the whole cartoon sketches of the drivers in the starting lineup. They kind of want to go back to how it was previously done by Fox where you might can get a shot of the car with the driver alongside it on the bottom of the screen. Or even if they do go to this highlighting the top 20 starters every week with somebody different introducing them, or it could even be Joel McHale, honestly, for all I care, he did a good job doing that part. I think that would go a long way because the new fans I mentioned earlier, it gives them a shot at seeing some drivers that maybe weren't featured as much as others on this Netflix series, or it gives current fans a chance to see their favorite drivers as themselves. It gives the drivers an opportunity to show their personality for the fans in these intros, much like we see with the NFL and Monday night football and how we used to see it when Fox first came into the sport back in the early two thousands. And I think how they did the top 20 driver intros on Monday for the TV audience can go a long way to getting these drivers more recognized and more of a connection with fans. Now, bouncing back to the racing action, one accident I did want to go back on, and that was the, the early wreck uh, around lap six in the Daytona 500 where you had John Hunter Nemechek spun after a push from Brad Keselowski. That sent him into Harrison Burton. A lot of people were going in on Brad over this wreck. And listen, yes, Brad has caused his fair share of big wrecks with his over-aggressiveness of pushing, including over this past week and, and at the duels. But in this case, I just don't think you can lay it all in his lap. Going through turns three and four, you had Brad leading the outside line uh, around the track where they were really gaining some momentum. And you had John Hunter Emichek, who was in the middle lane and kind of indecisive on it. He was in between the middle lane and the high lane, acting like he wasn't sure which way he wanted to go. And ultimately, coming out of turn four, he goes up into the high lane, but it ends up higher than what Brad and those behind him are running. You have Brad with a push behind him, and it sends him into John Hunter Nemechek. And when Brad gets there, it's just off-centered enough where it gets John Hunter out of shape and sends him down into Harrison Burton. 
And I don't think that's something you can put on Brad. To me, that is a true super speedway racing incident that's going to happen. There's not a lot Brad can do. There's not even a whole lot that the car behind Brad can do. So it's literally you're at the mercy of who is behind you and who's doing the pushing. John Hunter, just wrong place, wrong time. Could he have been a little bit more decisive which way he was going? Absolutely. But in the heat of the moment, things like this are going to happen, especially when you got these guys racing this close together at this fast a speed and at the closing rate that they have. And then we ended things with the Xfinity Series on Monday night. And once again, Austin Hill gets the win at Daytona, his third straight Daytona season opener win. And I mean, it's not really much of a shock there. I think it was probably his most impressive performance on a super speedway as many times as he had to go from the back back to the front with pit road penalties, crashes, getting involved in incidents. He was definitely the strongest car in the field. His former teammate, Sheldon Creed, finished in second. I thought this was setting up to be a, a Sheldon Creed first career win. You had Andy Petrie in the booth. Austin Hill was in front of him. After how Martinsville went last year, it was just all setting up to seem like Sheldon Creed was going to get the redemption and, and win at Daytona in his first race with Joe Gibbs Racing. He didn't. He does get a solid start to his season, though. And what sealed the deal for him was on the last lap, you had a crash coming out of turn two on the back straightaway. And I think we saw what happened in the Cup Series race trickle down into the Xfinity Series. I, these guys might have been a little gunshy on hitting the button because you had a big crash on the backstretch. The white flag is out and no caution is thrown when I think this was a perfect point to throw the caution because the back straightaway was looked completely blocked and it happened just behind Sheldon Creed, who was in second. It took away all his help and effectively ended a chance he had to, to get the win. He did seem to back off there at the end and people were wondering, did he think the caution was out or, you know, did he let off the gas? I believe he did let off, but I think it was to try and somehow get the cars that did make it through the wreck up to him to try and, and give him that push up past Austin Hill. It was going to be a long shot, but I don't think he had any other choice. He could have tried to stay within side of Austin Hill, but I think the gap was just too big that there was no way Sheldon was going to get a good enough run without somebody behind him pushing him. And this was a decent Xfinity race. I, I don't think it was by any means their best race they've had at Daytona, but the biggest thing was just watching Austin Hill going from the back to the front. I mean, you got to give the guy credit where credit's due. He is probably the best super speedway racer. I'd put him in any of the NASCAR series. He, yes, he predominantly wins at these tracks, but he has shown enough speed and strong finishes at other styles of racing. I think it's only a matter of time for he makes his way to the cup series, whether that's this year, there's an announcement or maybe next year. I think the time will come when he gets up to the cup series with Richard Childress racing and they, they, could have another driver that can help take them even further to that next level, especially now that they have Kyle Busch up there in their cup cars as well. And hopefully the weather cooperates this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I wasn't able to get a new video out this weekend due to the way the scheduling fell with all the weather down in Daytona, but hopefully everything goes smoothly as it should over this weekend at Atlanta. And I'll have a new video out either comes late Sunday night after the cup race or sometime during the day Monday. But I want to thank everyone for joining me and listening along to this episode. 
I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast from. You can also find me on Facebook or Twitter to give me a follow. You just go to 3wide3, that's the number 3, W-I-D-E, and the number 3 again. And that's my username for both Facebook and Twitter. I'm also on Instagram where my username there is the number 3, W-I-D-E underscore 3. So be sure to head over there and give me a follow as well. So y'all enjoyed this upcoming weekend's racing from Atlanta Motor Speedway. And we will see y'all after the checkered flag falls next week on 3Wide.